0: Hi, and welcome to episode 53 of the Canny Conversations podcast series, powered by the Pathway Group. My name's Mark Wakely, one of the team who bring you these podcasts that we hope inform and inspire you, giving you an insight into the world of the Pathway Group. If you're new to the podcast, let me tell you there are already 52 episodes out there, and you can listen to all the past episodes by searching Canny Conversations on your preferred podcast platform or Go to 1386audio.com forward slash have a listen. The main person behind the Pathway Group is Safraz Ali. Saf set himself up as a social entrepreneur over 22 years ago. Being raised in Birmingham's Alum Rock, his early life and experience gave him an insight into the life and needs of an inner city community, which is at the core of his passion for improving the lives of people through education, training, and apprenticeships. In this episode, we move away from our usual format in order to focus on Saf's Canny Bytes business books. We hear extracts from the introductions from three of the Canny Bytes audiobooks read by Saf himself 52 Bytes of Business Wisdom, another 52 Bytes of Business Wisdom, and finally, Attract, Retain, and Grow Your Team to Grow Your Business. Remember, all these titles are available from Amazon or from cannybytes.co.uk forward slash buy the book.
1: Cannybytes Business Books, written and collated by UK social investor and entrepreneur Safraz Ali. The Cannybytes book series has been created to share advice and know-how in bite-sized form, so even the busiest entrepreneurs and business leaders can develop their knowledge and skills with minimal effort. Get inspired and grow your business. Available on Amazon.
2: Whether you're a business owner or a leader in an organisation, if growth is a primary objective for yours, an entrepreneur's mindset is crucial. But what makes up this mindset? To me, the central skill to the entrepreneurial mindset is emotional intelligence. When you can understand somebody else's perspective, problems and frustrations, you are in the best position to build bridges develop relationships. But being emotionally savvy, being in tune with yourself first and being able to answer questions such as where am I now and where would I like to be? Without this understanding of your abilities, strengths and weaknesses, it's unlikely you'll ever be in a position to understand others, motivate them and help to drive growth in your organisation or business. As such, the first rule of developing an entrepreneurial mindset is whatever you do in your business or your role, it needs to be enjoyable, fruitful and continually challenging. These things will encourage you in your personal growth, which will eventually translate to professional growth. So how can we achieve this personal growth? My late father used to tell me, seek knowledge and wisdom, even as far as China. This is something that has stuck with me since and it's that very notion of seeking, sharing and retaining wisdom in which we can find the seeds of personal growth. Without the assistance, advice and inspiration of others, the gears of our mind grind to a halt. I'm a big fan of quotations. There's a lot of wisdom to be found in them. But there are some quotes that stay with us and some that we forget almost immediately. I find that our memories are more attuned to stories that's why the bites contained within this book have been laid out in a carefully planned order. They are intended to take you through the steps of personal and professional growth. At the same time, however, each one in turn has his own treasure trove of wisdom to reveal. Feel free to listen to what grabs your attention. This book should be easy and fun to listen to as you see fit, whether that's from the start to finish or as a pick and mix. I believe there will be some bites that you just don't get or agree with and others that you love and will never forget. I sincerely hope that you will enjoy the format of the stories and embrace their lessons. The completed book with its 52 bites is much greater than the sum of its parts. It's designed to share with busy business people know-how, wisdom and advice in a way that's more memorable, practical and adaptable to you. However you choose to listen to I wish you the best on your journey. Once again, I find myself sitting down recording a preface to a book. With my second title now complete and my mind already moving on to what's next, I've been thinking a lot recently about the concept of busyness and what it means to be truly busy. In business, it's easy to find ourselves preoccupied with a million different things. In fact, the word business started life in the Middle Ages to describe the state of being busy and was used as such until the 18th century. But adding another string to your bow means nothing if you're not able to hit the target. The majority of people will happily talk about being busy. They'll harp on about simply getting stuff done. They may attend seminars on decision-making, go to networking events, do extensive research and reading on a certain topic. These people will happily read a book to learn something new, even going as far as to make plenty of notes and then, Nothing happens. Some people, in fact most people, do not take direct action. They will not change anything. Instead, they make excuses and can often be heard saying that they need to wait for X to happen before they can do Y. Then there are others. From my personal perspective, I have noticed a common trait in the most successful entrepreneurs and leaders. And often this trait is what makes them who they are is their relentless focus on doing something, taking action and getting stuff done. It's not enough for them to be passive and take on board knowledge and information without leveraging it. To them, knowledge only really matters when it makes a difference and when they can do something as a result. It could be changing the way they implement a process or complete a task. It may be a change in their tactics or strategy may be the spark that makes them finally sit down and start writing their own book. These people who learn and then act only to move on to learning again are the true entrepreneurs. And that's what my second Kenny Bites book is all about. I've created this book with the aim of inspiring action. In a slight departure from my last book which focused on learning from narrative, this book focuses on key takeaways – which can help you to take action. From tips to sell your product or services, help designing a strong USB, questions to help you find your purpose and notes on how to work with a business consultant. Each byte is designed to help you do something, whatever it is, and if you do, then my job is done. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this book, the third one in the Bite series. This book is aimed at business owners and leaders who need to develop and nurture a team of people. The truth is, that's likely to be the majority of businesses. Building a business these days, or even sustaining one, is nigh on impossible without building a team. Every success story that I've been involved with and have been told about happened because of the people who created it. Whatever their role in the business, people are at the heart of success. And that's largely why I felt compelled to write this book. The book is split into three areas, although there is considerable overlap across the components. Attract. How do I recruit the right people for my business? Retain. How do I create a high performance culture that people are engaged with? How do I keep and engage the right people? Grow. How do I develop and grow the right people and in turn grow my business? Working with people can be stressful, complicated and frustrating. And often, it's the number one issue for businesses. How often have you heard someone say they can't get the staff or that their team don't have the knowledge, skills, behaviours and attitudes desired by the business? These issues can often stem from business owners' desire to go too fast. They can end up very knee-jerk in their approach to people and their business, meaning they may miss and overlook things which can create problems that they end up spending all their time dealing with. It's often hard for business owners and leaders, and I can speak from a personal perspective here, but make haste slowly and raise your consciousness of the process. Some of my personal observations that I would like to explore and get you thinking about are, no one forgets what it feels like to be part of a winning high-performance team But how do you build one? What is driving the why? Why do good people not stay? Why are our teams working in silos? It's not about knowing everything. Command and control does not work anymore. Diversity isn't a program. Diversity is really a culture. Diversity is a priority and fundamental to our competitive success. Embrace unity, not uniformity. Value individuality, unconventional points of view and original thinkers. Build an open culture. And don't forget the words of Peter Drucker, the management guru, culture eats strategy for breakfast. My aim is to be different in my approach to this book. Most business books are recorded in a style that promotes the background and the expertise of the author, with antidotes and stories which are simply about promoting him or her. This is why business books can often be unnecessarily long and repetitive and I would therefore like to cut to the chase to deliver some impact. So let's get going. A desire to belong and the gig economy. The world of business is being disrupted. As a CEO... You have to recognise that your business would be radically different in the next five to ten years and then build a team to succeed in that new world, says Adina Friedman, President and Chief Operating Officer of NASDAQ. Business models are adjusting not just because of technology but also because of people. The traditional relationship between employees and employers is under strain. People want to feel a sense of purpose. They want to make a difference, have impact and be valued and heard. They want to feel like they're part of something. People are moving towards businesses that have made it a priority to promote their purpose and mission. This will be essential for businesses to attract, retain and grow the best talent to deliver the best work and results. At the same time as belonging and being part of something, the workforce of now and the future is mobile, adaptable and flexible. Short-time on-demand talent is high in demand and the gig economy and freelancer sectors are growing. People are attracted to teams of people and their brands as much as the employer brand. There is a movement away from conventional employment, at times out of necessity and other times out of choice. There are many middle-level managers working for traditional employers, including the public sector, that would find it difficult to find a similar role. There has been a boom in freelance, interim and gig employment, and this continues to reshape the market for people. This is driven in part by people's desire for more variety and flexibility. Freelancers are not hired by startups and small businesses alone. Major multinational businesses with thousands of regular full-time team members engage the services of expert freelancers for specific projects and tasks. It is becoming a viable alternative to traditional nine-to-five, and despite some negativity in the press, it's not actually all bad. Millions of people and thousands of businesses have already benefited from this approach to work. The gig economy empowers people, both skilled and unskilled, to manage their time, work and how much they earn without committing to traditional long-term contracts. The growth of the big gig economy has been largely influenced by technology and the changing work culture across the world. Contractors, freelancers and part-time workers from all industries, are choosing to work for themselves. Work processes are changing to support the agile, flexible and mobile workforce. A growing number of new businesses that can't afford to hire full-time team members rely on gig workers for business administration support. This has created an on-demand workforce for the on-demand world. It's increasingly popular with both businesses and workers. Online talent platforms have amplified the many benefits of flexible work through their larger scale, quick matches and simple coordination of work amongst gig workers and their clients. Gig work is not just limited to platforms such as TaskRabbit and Upwork. Not all independent work roles are based around a technology platform and contract workers can work for traditional companies without using online applications. In fact, technology giants like Amazon have embraced flexible workers. The global reality is that many employers are losing the control they once had over the labour market. According to a PwC report, the desire for autonomy is strongest in China, especially amongst young people, indicating a generational shift towards greater freedom, entrepreneurship and specialist skills in this rapidly evolving economy. According to Indeed, an online recruitment platform, interest in flexible work increased by 42% from 2013 to 2015, in nine of the largest economies in the world. It's unlikely there will be a slowdown in this area. Flexibility continues to be an important factor for people who are looking for ways to work on their own terms and control their schedules. For businesses the technological infrastructure that supports independent work continues to make it easy for them to seek service from skilled workers outside the business businesses are becoming more comfortable engaging with freelancers even with the changes with taxation and contractual aspects the cost for business to hire train and retain a team continue to rise and of course businesses are continually finding ways to be agile and flexible in the future building and maintaining culture. To not just survive, but to thrive in the modern world of work, businesses need to adapt their business culture to attract and work with the smartest minds. The workforce of now expects employers and clients to embrace business tools that make work efficient and collaboration amongst people in different locations easier. When it comes to retention, This isn't just about retaining and engaging your team within the business. For me, retention is also about retaining the culture of the business and ensuring the culture isn't disrupted. This is where the phrase, one bad apple spoils a barrel is true. Before you introduce somebody into your team, think, will this person care about this role and go the extra mile? Will they fit into the culture of the organisation and move it forward positively? Is the person coachable and can they also coach others? Can they take ownership and accept accountability and responsibility? Or is this person more about making excuses and blaming others or worse still, in denial? Despite our best efforts, certain bad apples will get through the net. One bad apple would quickly spoil an entire box of apples. In every business, there is a person or sometimes several individuals who damage the business. At times, it is not completely obvious as they may be initially unseen and unrecognised as the bad apples. This can be fatal if recognised too late. This person may have originally been seen as charismatic, and admired as talented and successful. One of their talents is in self-promotion, bolstered by an ability to lie with practised ease. This is not about scaremongering, but it's important to protect the culture of the business and exit them as soon as possible to retain the culture of growth within the business. Another challenge often grappled with within businesses at both an organisation and individual level is bias. Biases are simply another term for the patterns of association in the files of our brain that have been set up to interpret the events and other matters that we encounter. These can impede us, limit our view and blind us to alternative options leading to unhelpful behaviour and decisions which can be costly to business. For example, there is an inherent gender bias in some job adverts. Research has shown that women consistently underestimate their abilities and when it comes to new opportunities can focus more on what they cannot do rather than what they can offer an employer. So presented with a list of duties and responsibilities and a list of essential criteria which are littered with stereotypical masculine traits like competitive and ambitious, women can be turned off. Whereas a male candidate will look at that list and often think it'll be alright on the night. From experience, I know that businesses that are more tuned into this have reduced the emphasis on personal character attributes in their adverts and now more focus on the day-to-day duties and tasks of that role alongside the values and behaviors of the business. So if you want a more gender diverse field of applicants, do it differently. Much of the bias that we see in too many workplaces is unconscious, much of the time It exists simply because the existing workforce and management have never actually needed to think about certain issues. This can be as simple as the women's toilets being an afterthought on a different floor to the men's toilet or in a less accessible place. Or it can be there being no quiet private space being available in which a religious observer would be able to pray. Perhaps the manager's office is upstairs, which makes accessing it impossible for a less physically able team member. Those with strong determined personalities will perhaps look at obstacles like these and think, I will not be put off by this. And in the vast majority of cases, employers will want to accommodate and will be all too happy to change things like this. In the case of disability, It is the law that employers must make a reasonable adjustment to account for an individual's disability. Good employers will readily make any changes which are suggested by their team. They want them to feel happy and valued after all. But it can be often dependent on someone speaking out. From stated culture to unwritten rules. When it comes down to it, culture is the foundation of business success. A business culture is the combination of vision statements and values, combined with the harder-to-see norms, behaviours, languages, beliefs and systems often referred to as the business's unwritten rules. Unwritten rules are people's perception of this is the way we do things here. They drive people's behaviour, yet they are rarely openly talked about. These unwritten rules can be positive or negative. Positive rules underpin teams that are positive, lean and agile. On the other hand, if a team is not functioning well and there is a great deal of internal conflict, there is no doubt that negative unwritten rules will be in place. These unwritten rules are created in a number of ways. People watch what gets noticed, people watch what doesn't get noticed and people watch for any differences in terms of what people say, what they actually do. Transparency is key and is often the most difficult thing for businesses to embrace. Transparent businesses encourage the business-wide flow of communication and information which can range from simple team feedback to sharing profit and loss statements. Greater transparency brings together individuals and teams, putting everyone on the same page in taking forward the business's mission and vision. This is a proven strategy for enhancing performance and retaining talented teams. However, What I have found often is that instead of transparency, in many businesses there is a closed approach to sharing and even intentional deceit with team members. In addition, instead of measurement and playing by equal rules, there is performance assessment based on subjective interpretation and therefore bias again creeps in. The traditional signs of good culture are the core values of the business the mission and vision statements, as well as the customer service standards. Where possible, a business's values and priorities should be so well ingrained that each team member can name them and be prepared to adapt them if necessary. A business is not a business without customers. Making the customer your top priority seems like common sense and many managers assume that everyone knows that and works with the customer in mind. Actually doing the things necessary to prioritise the customer within your business day after day is not so easy. Problems and issues get in the way. Failing to anticipate all the ways in which business communication and service interactions bear on the customer experience can cripple the efforts to satisfy clients. Open and inclusive communication is the final shared foundation of good business cultures, both top-down and bottom-up. Many businesses overlook the need for feedback from team members, either because management presumes they are doing everything right, or because if they are not, they don't want to hear about it. Keeping the lines of communication open between your team and senior management is not about laying blame, but has twofold value. When culture goes wrong. So, what are the signs of destructive business culture? Well, it's all in the results. The results of damaged communication lines and obstructive work environments cause high staff turnover rates. Note that some businesses naturally have high turnover for other reasons such as seasonality, competitiveness in a specialised field or dangerous work conditions. Some workers change job for personal reasons. This type of job turnover is termed voluntary and occurs less frequently than the non-voluntary incidences of team members leaving their positions. One big motivation killer for the average team member to do their job and to keep doing it is a controlled work environment businesses that start out with too many control measures on team members may see them leave in higher than typical numbers the more rules often the more issues which results in a negative energy sapping environment that drains the well-being of the business and limits what the business can achieve Businesses with good culture find ways to empower team members to make correct decisions themselves, rather than having to be reined in by management. One of the best examples of this is Netflix, with their act in Netflix's best interest statement. Another issue often can be camps or groups within groups. This tribe-like mechanism leads to protectionism and individuals desperate to protect their turf for no real reason apart from controlling a power base. These subcultures in organisations occur and can be quite effective. However, when the overarching culture is not defined, subcultures take over and generally not in the interest of the business as a whole. When you connect the dots on attracting, retaining and growing your people, then your chances of business growth improve considerably. Getting the most out of canny bites. Before we go any further, it would be unrealistic for me to say that I will provide all the answers to every business challenge involving people. I think that's pretty much impossible to do so with certainty. This book is, however, a carefully planned collection of techniques, strategies and approaches that you can use to attract, retain and grow your people and thereby grow your business. I do hope that you will listen and come back to the book as a source of reference and ideas. As with most books, you will take the most from the bites that you have the most connection with or need. So certain topics are bound to grab your attention more than others. However you choose to listen, I wish you all the best on your journey.
1: Cannybytes Business Books, written and collated by UK social investor and entrepreneur Safraz Ali. The Canny Bytes book series has been created to share advice and know-how in bite-sized form, so even the busiest entrepreneurs and business leaders can develop their knowledge and skills with minimal effort. Get inspired and grow your business. Available on Amazon.
0: These Canny Bites books are not only available on Amazon, but also you can buy them by going to cannybites.co.uk forward slash buy the book. Thanks for listening to the Canny Conversations podcast. If you'd like to know more about SAF's success, the lessons he's learned and how they might help you then take a listen to the previous podcast episodes. From these, you'll hear how he set up various business network groups for underrepresented business communities, or his involvement in community projects, or his instigation and involvement in a plethora of awards. Just search for Canny Conversations on your podcast app, or go to 1386audio.com forward slash have a listen, and click on the Canny Conversations picture. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please like, review, subscribe or follow. And please tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you'd like to know more, then go to cannyconversationspodcast.co.uk or go to SAF's website, safras.co.uk. We'll be back next week with another Canny Conversations podcast. So until then, have a good week.
1: This is a 1386 audio production.